Hello, and welcome to Red Femme, special Belfast, the North of Ireland edition. Um, I'm Hannah Borelli, and I'm here with my friend Shay Willahan. Hi. So, um, Belfast, uh, Let Women Speak, the rally and subsequent counter-protest and all the goings-on happened a couple days ago, so we thought we would do a bit of a recap with um, Shay being our kind of Northern Ireland uh, lo- local author. representative. Local representative, yeah. So, what did you think of the event, Shay? I mean, I think it went really well. Um, you know, there was quite a lot of police presence, um, so nothing really crazy happened. Um, the protesters weren't really able to get too close to us. And every, I think every woman that wanted to speak got to speak, and uh, it was a it was a very exciting day for me because I have been looking forward to it for <laughs> months. This is like Shay's Christmas. She was so excited. She was talking about this since the day it was announced, like, and the day before it would just felt like the night. Okay, but like Christmas. just to give a little bit of context, like I have flown over for so many of these events mm-hmm. um i went to the one in i've been to a couple in london i flew to the, we went to the brighton one went to glasgow so it was just like so good that it was finally in my own city and also it's really good because it gets like the local conversation going right you know, it gets our politicians talking about this issue and uh, our local media so it was kind of like i just feel like you know, put in all like a lot of work into other places. So I was finally getting the same in my own city, getting the conversation going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it worked. I mean, we were covered on um, BBC News Northern Ireland. I think all of like the local um, media outlets covered covered it. Some some positive, some (laughs) some negative. Um, It was quite interesting actually. Most of the um northern irish based like media were quite positive in kelly j's slash posey parker's favor Mm. however the um either cross island ones or ones that are specifically based in like the republic of ireland you know the south uh were quite negative and uh like, like some of them were basically calling her like a nasty, like a white supremacist and all this stuff. So it was quite interesting how the media, it was more in line of what the, what you've seen in like New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, so. and that was stuff coming out of the Republic. And I guess we can get into all of that, all the different kind of political intricacies and idiosyncrasies of Northern Ireland and how it, that affected the whole context of this. Because I think for people on the outside, as we've seen on Twitter in the last few days, there's quite a bit of ignorance about Northern Ireland. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it, it it's it is confusing politics. Like, I'll give you that um, to anyone who isn't familiar with Irish politics. Um, but basically, just kind of give a bit of an overview. Um, Belfast is based in the north of Ireland, uh, which is also known as Northern Ireland, which is part of the six occupied counties which are technically part of the UK they are governed well usually governed um here 
like they had their own independent government uh, devolved nation, a bit like Scotland and Wales. Um, and then the rest of Ireland um, is their own sort of independent country, um, which is called the Republic or the South of Ireland, depending on depending on your politics. Right. Um, so people people here they're typically um, if you support. If you support being part of the union, you're either called like a unionist or a loyalist or more colloquially, you'd be called just like a Protestant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you support like a United Ireland, you, you know, you're called either a nationalist or Republican or sometimes just a Catholic. Um, so I think that that kind of comes into this whole conversation because the Republic of Ireland did pass self-ID, I think in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um and that was part of, they did like a bill, and I think it was part of the gay marriage bill, which was actually a referendum. So the people voted on it, but, you know, speaking to people that are based in the Republic, they weren't really aware that that was part of the bill. Um, they were just kind of voting for gay marriage, and then that was kind of like stuck in it, right. in like the, the fine prints of the bill. However, things are a bit different up here because we haven't passed it, and we are, because um, we are part of the UK, the Gender Recognition Act, which is the UK legislation, um, is a, is is the relevant legislation here in Northern Ireland. I think because the UK, because the Republic of Ireland have already passed self-ID, I think that means that they're a little bit less receptive to gender critical beliefs and they tend to be... Um, I don't they kind of t- tend to frame it as like British views and this is like a British thing and we are, we've already dealt with this here and nobody in Ireland thinks this way, which isn't true. Um, but I think that typically in, in Northern Ireland, they're a bit more receptive. Right. To, yeah. So she was, Posey Parker was meant to come to both Dublin in the Republic and Belfast. However, because of the Biden visit, she had to cancel Dublin, so was only able to do Belfast. So some of the Irish, the women from the Republic travelled up, which was which was good. Yeah, and can you explain exactly why? Because I remember you telling me that the nationalist parties or the parties that would like a united Ireland or a united Republican Ireland are generally try to pass laws and legislation and policies that are already present in the Republic, right? Could you explain a bit of that context for people? Well, um, Sinn Féin is the largest nationalist party, and it's a cross-country party. So they have uh, politicians both in the Republic and in Northern Ireland. They're, they actually are the largest party here now. They recently just got uh, in the last elections, they won the majority, uh, which is the, for the f- first time ever since uh, the peace agreement that a nationalist party won the majority. But um, because they do want to eventually become united with the rest of Ireland, they typically just follow suit with whatever the Republic has in terms of legislation. Because I think the thought process is that, you know, once Ireland is united that it'll be an easier transition if they have similar laws and processes in place already if that makes sense it does 
Yeah. So it's all of that kind of context that I see that seems like a lot of people are are missing on kind of Twitter and the in the days afterwards. It's not true that um Irish nationalists necessarily are pro transgenderism in a uniform way for whatever reason in, in the north, but it has to do with laws and policy. Yeah. It's it's very different um in the way that in other places, um, the politicians kind of follow what the people want, whereas I feel like the people are kind of following what the parties mm. want. You, you know what I mean? So it's it's a bit of a different situation. Whereas I feel like I feel like a lot of nationalists maybe are a bit open to the whole pro-trans stuff because they're just like, well, Sinn Fein wants this, and this is what the Republic has. So uh, my my main priority is the United Ireland, so I'm just going to go along with it, but. It isn't true that all nationalists are pro-transgenderism and all unionists are gender critical. Um, right. I mean, I've been involved in sort of like the, you know, in various women's groups for a couple of, like a year and a half now. And I would say the vast majority of the women that are involved in that are, well, I would say maybe 60-40. And it's like 60% nationalist and like 40% unionist, which... I thought was quite interesting. Um, so I do think that it's just the way the media is trying to present it, that it is like this green and orange issue and it's divided along those lines when I just don't, I mean, I just know from my own life, I don't see that as being true. You know, I come from a nationalist background. I live in like the most nationalist part of, <laughs> of Belfast and I, you know, I'm very, very open gender critical and everyone I know like all of my friends and family are and that live here uh in this area so I just I think they they try to spin this narrative and it's just not, not it's just not true in fact we have a story yes about yes we do have the story don't we so that when we were at the rally there was a counter protest and they do what they usually do, which is any effort to kind of drown women out so you can't hear the message being spread. You can't hear women's testimonies. They bring noisemakers. They bring loudspeakers. And often they play loud music. And I think it's also this horseshit of queer joy and trans joy, whatever the fuck. And oh, protect trans, protect trans kids. <laughs> and we were like, from you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so they started playing the song Sweet Caroline, like, which is like a... If no. there's anyone, if there's anyone from Northern Ireland here, even just Ireland, you probably know where this is going. So we hear it and then we start to hear a certain... Chant. Chant that goes along with the the song. And Shay looked at me and then I looked at her and we both thought, are we actually hearing this? And then it wasn't the whole crowd, but it was definitely oh. a loud enough portion of the crowd that you could hear it. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, there is it's quite a it's quite an infamous unionist chant that they tend to sing at like the twelfth of July or at bonfires, where it's a, it's it's like a sectarian anti-Irish chant that goes along with the song "Sweet Caroline." Do do you want to sing it? <laughs> It's uh please don't cut this out. <laughs> the sound bite that goes, sweet Caroline, 
fuck the Pope. <laughs> That's and I swear to God, <laughs> I'm convinced she said that, but like, <laughs> not only joking. Um, <laughs> get it out. <laughs> I like you, uh, Francis. I think you're pretty cool as far as popes go. <laughs> um, so the um. I, you know, that that is, it's a very well-known, like, anti-Irish chant that they tend to sing in, like, orange halls at, like, on the 12th of July. And I swear, I swear that um, on the trans activist side, there were some people chanting it. And then they, they did it two times. And then I brought up my phone to try and take a recording of them. And I could see that there were some people in the crowd. We both seen this that looked yeah. really, really, really unhappy. So the person with the megaphone started to like scream over the top of the crowd really, yeah. really loudly to try and drown the Fuck the chance out. And the so massage. I didn't get a video of it, which I was quite disappointed about. But I mean I mean it was just it's just to be expected. It's a ris- risky song to play anywhere in Northern Ireland because you'll always get you know, you'll always get someone who's right. You know, <laughs> And, like, I imagine they're so used to chanting it. They're just kind of like, this is how the song goes, you know? Yeah. 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 It's just a force of habit. And I think that people people avoid playing that song in a lot of of places. Do you know what was so funny? My my sister, she went up and uh, requested that song in St. Patrick's Day in a local bar. And the DJ was like, I can't play that on St. Patrick's Day. Because if you played it, (laughs) some people might sing the chant. Um, So, like... It's not surprising, but it just shows that like half of that crowd were unionists, half of the crowd were nationalists. It's the same anywhere you go. This idea that like our side was all the unionist side and the trans activist side was all the nationalist side. It's just, it's not true. It is really wow. not true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the way that the media tries to spin it. And I think the reason they do try to spin it is because they'll try to say that like the un- un- unionists are typically more conservative. You know, they were anti-gay marriage. To be honest, the nationalist side weren't aren't like that much more progressive. I mean, Sinn Fein only recently changed their position on abortion fairly. That was only in the last couple of years. But I think that they try to spin this as like this is like a colonizer view. You know, this is you know, right. this is yeah. And I mean it brings up interesting questions that Shay and I have talked about about nationalism and feminism. And how often it's really hard. It's really hard for feminists when in part of a nationalist struggle or against an occupation or against like in in places where there is a military occupation. When feminists go, we want to put women's concerns first. Often they do end up being sometimes they can end up being antagonistic with the nationalist cause just by circumstances yeah, so it ends up that's why I think it's it's sometimes very difficult to be a nationalist and a feminist as as like sympathetic as I am to Irish nationalism and that's generally where I politically lie. It's not always a neat and tidy question, is it? Put women in very difficult positions. I mean I mean no, it's 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 I don't. I just generally. I think you can either be what you can either be one or the other. You, you can prioritize one or the other. You right. can either be like nationalism above all else or feminism above all else. And I think that typically I am, more, you know, I am more 
like I just put women's rights above anything else. So like if there if there came an opportunity to for Ireland to become united, but like the Republic had like horrible anti-women laws, mm. like I wouldn't support that just because of the oh, just because of the principle that I would rather be, you know, because I'm a nationalist, I need to support United Ireland. Um, I, you know, I would put women first, but I know people that would disagree. I think people have different priorities. Yeah. And these are complex issues with really long, really, really long and difficult history. And to simplify the narrative into, yeah, this is like a green versus orange thing is a not factually true, as we can see, it was pretty divided on both sides and um, B just really not very helpful, is it? But I would say that it was not helpful, but I would definitely say that this sort of sectarian division is being spurred on more by the trans activist side. You know, they they are trying to create this narrative and they're also like trying to accuse us of all being unionists. We all like are in line, we line ourselves with the DP. But on our side, we generally don't care. Like no. we don't like like the, I would say the vast majority of the women that I that I am involved with in this issue, you know, I that I politically organize with, like I couldn't tell you. I, like I, I know some based on like name and <laughs> where they live at, but that you know, but um I'm not gonna go up and ask them. I don't care. We we really do put those those things aside. Yeah. Um on this issue. Like we don't care. Um, I just know that I just have an idea that majority are nationalists just because I know where roughly where a lot of them are sort of based and where they live. But it's not it's not something that ever comes up. And honestly, we will talk to any politician mm. um, regardless of like, regardless of the fact that I'm nationalist or from a nationalist background. Like I would I would have a meeting with a unionist politician if he wants to speak to me or she wants to speak to me on this issue. Like I right. am not gonna, I'm not gonna turn my nose up if any politician wants to speak to me on this. Like I do, we just don't care. We have put the all, everything else aside, mm. and we're just focused purely on women's sex based rights and w- women's single sex bases. Yeah, and it, it impacts all women regardless of what part of the community yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that kind of brings us a little bit into the topic of the speakers yes yeah the speakers were well the speakers were really good um there was like one school girl who spoke and she was amazing did you yes you were you were there and you seen her poem um this is not a dress i think megan kelly she shared it on twitter really yes wow yeah uh, yeah it was really really good she actually came up to me right before she was due to speak and was like, oh my God, I know you from Twitter. And she was so nervous. And then she went up and she spoke and I was nervous to speak to her afterwards because I was like, oh my God, I'm I'm your fan. I was yeah. like, I want to be her when I grow up. She really blew me away. I have listened to that about 20 times yeah, <laughs> already. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Other speakers that I thought were so... Well, all of them were great, to be honest. Everyone was great. Some ones that stood out, there was that woman that went up and she was shaking and she spoke about all of her various health issues and 
she had to have a hysterectomy. And then I think at one, t- at one time, a Kelly J. Mastectomy. Mastectomy, was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Kelly J. then had to go up and sort of comfort her and help her get through the speech, which I thought was really emotional. Just it was like women sporting women and I love to these are the big see it. scary fascists that everyone's afraid of you know and this is why it's so important to them that they bring loudspeakers and noisemakers and all these things to drown women out and it is just all about trying to curtail women's speech which is what patriarchy does in any possible way stop women from speaking stop women from speaking to each other um, and to hear just the variety of voices like socialist women who'd come up from the Republic, women talking about their experiences with breast cancer, like schoolgirls, and then our Shay. I would say it was a wee 11-year-old that spoke as well. He was just yeah. like, uh, let women speak. And she was really, it was, it was such a variety of women. Um, there was from like all, all backgrounds, all political, all sides of, all different political views, completely different life experiences, but like we were just united together because we were all women and we all, you know, that's obviously shaped our lives. Uh, we all had a story to tell. And I spoke to. Um, yes, it did really great. Oh, thank you. And um, yeah, it was it was such a great day. I think that Kelly J is very happy with how it went. The police did a really good job. However, you know, there was one speaker who has drawn up quite a bit of attention. Um, she is kind of a... A well, well, trans activist spotted her in the crowd on the day, and I had heard that she was there, and me and you both had heard that she was there, and she's a an infamous former politician called Jolene Bunting, who I was quite familiar with before. Um, the best way to describe her is probably like a Northern Irish version of Katie Hopkins, only worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she. <laughs> like um so she's getting a she's drawn a lot of attention because she has quite terrible politics very terrible politics um just kind of politics like not like really like pretty right wing some pretty horrible politics yeah yeah like really horrible politics like just to give you sort of an idea about well just to give everyone sort of an idea about this woman and her like political history. She started off her political career as a Belfast councillor for the TUV, which is a traditional unionist voices, mm-hmm. which is like, if anyone's ever heard of the DUP, it's like them, but worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are just like the most like conservative, like unionist sectarian party they're they they're just they're awful. Um, I might be I might be just being biased because I am nationalist and you know. No, but, I uh, think some of the stuff is pretty objectively terrible. I think if it's too terrible for the TV. I mean, they're yeah. I mean, they're as a party, they're they're anti democracy. Like they properly said that they will never support United Ireland, even if the majority of Ireland right. or Northern Ireland votes for it. Yeah. They also said that if they would never work alongside a Sinn Féin first minister, even right. if that's what the majority voted for, like they're that that's just anti-democracy. Like also in their manifesto, they refer to unionists as ordinary people and to nationalists as Republicans. 
<laughs> they literally refer ordinary people and Republicans. Nice. Yeah. So, like they they also they also have a terrible track record, not just for their sectarianism, but also for gay rights as well. Like they were the only party that voted against um pardoning gay men for like being convicted of homosexuality when it was illegal (laughs) like they're they're so bad but keep in mind so keep in mind how like terrible this party is she got suspect no she got kicked out of the party for being too sectarian (laughs) (laughs) she was so anti-irish that she was too anti-irish for the tuv Like she apparently like went on big massive like sectarian rant on Facebook where she said she was so sick of Catholic bastards and because of that like she had to apologize and then she got kicked out. But then she like was an independent for a while. Mm-hmm. Um because she's quite a like she's a bit of like a micro celebrity in, in like conservative spaces. Like she has quite a lot of social media followers. Right. Um and uh after that, she ended up getting kicked out of like politics in general. She's banned from from politics for three years because she was um caught accepting money from a fascist group. Right. Uh, Britain first. Right. Um, so it was very dodgy shit. Um now, because she's been kicked out of politics, she's basically just a professional provocateur right. where she just causes like scenes and does like political stunts. She's kind of taken up the whole drag queen story hour thing. And this is quite a funny story. She goes to the drag queen story hours and protests them, but she throws like holy water <laughs> on the She's ground. Like very Catholic. Like there was no holy water in any Protestant churches I've been to. <laughs> like, I don't think they believe in that stuff. It's just like for dramatic effect. You know? Yeah, no, she she literally um froze holy water outside of the venues that hosts like drag queen story or and I was like, Jolene, that's such a Catholic thing to do. <laughs> oh, oh. But anyway, she has she is terrible politic. That's just a, an idea of who she is and why she's got a lot of controversy controversy at the moment. Um obviously she was there and she spoke and because of that, like we're all getting tarnished as being aligned with the far right. Oh, just the same normal criticism. But like I have to just give it to her. Like her speech was fine and she spoke about like an actual example of misogyny that she had experienced. And I don't like I don't know. Really what was it? it? Tell people what it was because it was particularly egregious. It was so what happened was that she had gone to, of course, she had gone to a Jubilee event. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like this woman just sounds so ridiculous. Like a cartoon character of like a reactionary, like, like fucking Protestant. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's just, she's such a hardcore loyalist. It's like her entire personality. But basically, she had gone to a, 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 like a Jubilee event for the Queen. And during the event, it was a family-friendly event. It was outside. I think it was like a parade or something. Right. A drag queen had like walked around in like a very like skimpy outfit. With he basically had his cheeks out. She said he was wearing a thong, but it was basically like a one-piece suit, and he had his cheeks out. And she basically like took a photograph of him and put it on her social media to basically say like, "This is disgusting. Like I don't want kids to see this. Um, this is meant to be a family-friendly event," mm. which. Yeah. Fair enough. 
And she Fair was like, enough. I think she's a bit more mad on the on behalf of the queen. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. I don't understand these people at all. But I really don't. And I think I'm pretty good at like, you know, being critical and thinking about. It's things just the way they're socialized. Like. Yeah. I think that a lot of people, I've said this before, but a lot of like unionists that go that are from like very working class backgrounds, like going to these sort of events, like the 12th of July, bonfires, like anything like that, like any parades is like, that's like the height of their social calendar. Like yeah. these people didn't like get to go on holidays. They don't like do anything else. It's just like, it's basically counting down to the 12th. Like this is their... Where they where they get to spend time with their cousins and go to fun fairs and they're so obsessed with it. It's like the height of their their year. Yeah, and I think they just get so. It's just a real like if you try and take this away from them, they'll be like, oh, "This is my culture. This is my culture." Mm-hmm. Um, they love it. They really do love it. They love everything. They they will like completely plaster their hives in Union Jacks. They will wear like an entire Union Jack outfit. They are just obsessed they're so proud they're like but i there was like a documentary it was that stacy dooley and mm. she was uh it was called um it was a, the d the the, the the billion pound party and it was about the dp and she got she went to one of the bonfires and one of the women was like we're more british than the british <laughs> i know with with the accent i just found it all a bit we're more british than the english uh, though they generally do see it that way they do so I can kind of see like why she is that way. It's just complete socialization. I mean, that's no excuse for bigotry. I mean, she's old enough now to grow out of it. But yeah, like there's plenty of people that are like that. Yeah. Pl- right. yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, distraction from the story. She posted a picture of this drag queen on social media. It blew up. She's quite popular on Twitter, I think. And um, she ended up getting reported to the police for harassment. I think she got interviewed by the police. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, well, that's what she said. Um, but in the end, the drag queen retaliated um, by take, like dressing a sex doll up to look like her um, and then taking it on stage in one of the local gay bars and then like basically like stripped off the, the sex doll, which I had like a like a picture of her on the face and then like simulated like sex acts on it and then like beat it up and then kicked it off the stage. That's horrible. Yeah. So it was quite, it was very misogynistic. It was, you know, not justified because as much as I can't stand her politics, like she has every right to say she's rape threats should be a punishment for racism or yeah, but like even even what she was criticizing him for, I think is like yeah. fairly justified. You know, she took her kids to a family friendly event, and there was a man in like lingerie with his ass out, you know, yeah. dancing in front of kids. Like, I think you don't have to be a right wing conservative yeah. to, you know, you don't have to be a hardcore conservative to be like, I'm uncomfortable with someone prancing around in their lingerie in front of my children. Yeah, is, yeah. So she spoke about that. And and that was it. That was it. She just got up and she spoke about how she didn't like her children being sexualized and the drag queen retaliated by um, raping an effigy of her on stage. And then she ended her speech by saying uh, women from all sides of the community should come together on this issue. Yeah. And that was it. And um, afterwards, you know, there was a, 
Well, the trans activists hadn't spotted her on the day because she is quite infamous. And um, then there was a lot of people on social media being like, oh, you have fascists and you have, um, you know, Jolene Button on your side. You know, you're allied with the far right, uh, yada, yada, yada. And it was unfortunate to see, but not surprising that some feminists um, who are meant to be on the side of women uh, were also um, saying the exact same thing, Um, which is like, I could not agree. I could not agree more that Julie Budding's politics are awful. Like she is incredibly incredibly anti-irish like she uh, she got kicked out of the tv for for making like derogatory comments about catholics on her social media yeah like she is a she's racist she took money from like britain first which is like their entire purpose is to like oppose immigration and the as what's it like islam that's it yeah um but even though she would hate me, I still think that she has every right to talk about the misogyny that she has experienced. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I still condemn, like, any woman getting, like, a man, like, basically pretending to sexually assault uh, an effigy of any woman. Yeah. Regardless of how much of a, a horrible person that she is. Like, I don't think that any woman deserves rape threats, threats of violence, misogyny. Like, uh, you made a really great political point on Twitter, which is that if we, which is why freedom of speech is such <laughs> an integral principle in feminism and an integral ethic and something that we should really live out in feminism for a number of reasons, because women's speech is so curtailed, so limited. And if you read, um, you know, the original Sacred Waivers or you read someone like Andrea Dworkin, they were very aware of this about how and and even Dworkin goes as far as to, like, describe rape and sexual assault as a way of limiting women's speech. Because she was like, to have true freedom of speech, you need like a real integrity of the body. She always had women's speech kind of in her mind. I remember when she spoke in in Quebec after the Montreal um massacre which is when um women engineering student women were killed in an anti-feminist attack in a university she was like i'm i'm really sad that i can't speak french like women's women's speech is already so limited um and you had a really excellent political point about that on twitter which is what you said like if we start putting limits on women's speech about who can and who cannot even if we disagree with them especially about rape and sexual assaults and sexual harassment, whatever, then men will take advantage of that. Yeah. No, use it to curtail women's speech. Like, I I don't think that there is a woman alive that can't speak about the misogyny that she's experienced. That can't like, I, I would, I would never say that a racist woman couldn't speak about domestic violence. I would never say that, um, a homophobic woman could never speak about her rape. Like I'm not like I'm not setting this principle that there's only there's only certain kinds of women that are able to speak about their experiences. Yeah. Like if you say if you have this principle 
that certain women are just too awful to speak about their experiences of misogyny. Like, the point I made on Twitter is that what's considered horrible will just expand. Yes. And more and more women will be put into that category. So it starts off that, you know, that fascist woman, that that woman who is objectively a fascist yeah. who, or supports the, far, supports the far right, she can't speak about her rape. Yeah. And then it will then it'll just be general conservative women. Yeah. They, they can't because we're already getting the, the definition of a Nazi and fascist has already been expanded anyway to just include anyone yeah. who is even slightly conservative. And then it just expands, it expands, and it kind of just plays into this whole victim narrative as well, where you almost have to be a perfect victim mm. to be able to speak about your experience of yeah. misogyny and sexual violence. And I'm just, I'm just, it's not. It's just dangerous, I think. I'm not going to play this game. There's there's no view that any woman could hold that would make her less susceptible to misogyny. There's no view that any woman could hold that makes her less female, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, and it's also this thing of, like, women have to be virtuous, women have to be good, women have to be pure. Like, this is already standards that we apply to women, all the time so of course that's how men would use it we already have like the cultural infrastructure set up that like that only that um, a bad woman can't be raped that sort of thing yes so like if you already have that cultural infrastructure those patriarchal beliefs set up of course it would be used as a way to and that's exactly what's happened with the word turf that's why most of the replies to us online is just literally the word turf like it's just about um this is a bad woman so she can't speak and it's also this thing of course there's bad women i think there are some feminists who want to believe just all- absolutely shocked at the notion that women can be bad people too it's- yeah yeah it's all about women being virtuous and having no it's because as i've said this before and i think you've, you've you've said this before too but i think that a lot of these um women that do attack like let women speak i think they're just cultural feminists yes yeah. um more than this quote-unquote socialist feminists that they like to call themselves yeah um and I just and I think that like they just don't like the idea that there are you know bad women out there or these bad women like represent them in any way or uh, it's yeah or that women who have done terrible things can be raped (laughs) like can, (laughs) can experience sexual harassment and whatever are still women I think, yeah, I think it has to do with lifestyleism and cultural feminism and um, that, you know, women are a certain way and men are a certain way. Yeah. Kind of by nature. There's actually this very reactionary kind of belief. Of course, there's like horrible fucking women. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And if you have a platform and the entire principle is that any woman can come and speak about her life, her experience, the rea- like the reality of being female, about any misogyny she's experienced, the things that that keeps her up at night that she's really worried about, like her children. Mm. Um, if you have this principle that any woman can come, there is a there's just going to be a range of women that come. There's going to be women who are far far left, who are communists, Marxists. There'll be like a, a lot of apolitical women. There'll be religious women. There'll be women from different religious beliefs and they'll be racist women of yeah. course they'll be racist women <laughs> a lot of people are racist it's a very yeah. common thing 
Yeah, it's um, it's 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 this posturing, and I think a lot of people frame it as something to do with the left, and I do think it has something to do with the left. I'm not trying to say, oh, well, the left, you know, I, I'm not trying to do that no true Scotsman thing where it's like you're not really that because I get to decide what that really is. But I really yeah. do think in this context, truthfully, it does have to do more with a certain kind of feminism, which is that all women are virtuous and good, all yeah. by nature, all men are bad and horrible by nature, unless they're my husband or brother or son, in which case, no, they're not, <laughs> you know, um, and that women who, so therefore, and women who are victims are therefore good people. You can't be both a victim oh, yes. and That's- a bad person. You notice this yeah. quite a lot in like feminist yeah. spaces where like if if you and a woman have a disagreement, she'll be like, Well, I, I had this bad thing happen to me. And I'm like, Yeah, and you're like, Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> I'm sure you have. This is also yeah. not exceptional. This is like most women have been victims of male violence at some point. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah I've noticed that before. But but like I, I just want to clarify, just in case anyone is like confused, I'm not saying like just like always platform a fascist always platform yeah. a racist like I'm not saying like I'm a, a like a free speech absolutist uh like if if Jolene had to get up there and started to say like some really like dodgy racist stuff like I would have personally booed her off the stage but she didn't she got up and spoke about specifically about misogyny and the misogyny she's experienced and also I just wanted to like actually tell a story just to kind of show that like I like I'm not just like pro like platform and racist like there was a there was I think it was about like this time last year she was actually in the process of organizing her um like what a protest that she was doing for drag queen story hour and she had reached out to a friend of mine who is a journalist and asked her if she would like to interview her and my friend had never heard of her before so she like reached out to me and was like oh I know this woman's from your city like do you know anything about her and I was like don't platform this woman she's a fascist yeah like don't platform this woman she's a fascist because she wasn't speaking about like anything like she just wanted to like have an interview to promote her politics which is very right-wing and reactionary and it, like she was, and I understand that she's against the sexualization of children, but I'm sure that a lot of her objections to drag queen story are also just stem from homophobia as yeah. well. Yeah. So I just basically advise my friend, like, don't give her a platform. So I'm not trying to say that like you should always platform like a fascist and a racist. I'm saying that like if you have an event and the purpose of the event is where all women can come and speak about misogyny then yes, she can come and speak about misogyny. She is just as much female as any other woman. Like she, you know, her experiences are like, she can come and speak about that. She can't use that platform to promote racism. Yeah. But if she wants to come and speak about like what happened to her, what that, what that man did, and how the, the fact that the police didn't investigate it, but they investigated her, you know, I say f- fair play. I have no issue with it. Yeah. And this, and, and just, by the way, this woman is known for being anti-Irish more than, yeah. almost more than anything else. Yeah. So for anyone who, and I've been criticized about this. 
on Twitter. I don't know if we should dignify it with the response because it's genuinely just, I'm sorry, Americans. I'm not trying to be offensive. I am an American in a sense. But your education, I think we can all agree your education system is very poor. You don't learn about other countries other than yourselves. You don't know very much. It's literally American women who do not have a single fucking clue about anything to do with Ireland talking absolute shite. I just could not believe it. Yeah. And I'm not one of these people, I hate this identity politics argument, and I'm not one of these people where you have to live from a place to have an opinion on it. Like you can have, like, I have an opinion on the war in Iraq. I'm not Iraqi. Like, you know, like yeah. I have an opinion on the war in Syria. I'm not, like, you, but you do actually have to be educated. And just because you're from a place doesn't mean you're going to have good opinions about something. Yeah. But you actually have to be like educated have basic on the topic. knowledge of the topic. Yeah. So like, I basically said on Twitter that um, I don't care about Jolene Bugding's politics I think that she should still be able to talk about how a man had an effigy of her and pretended to rape it on stage like I like I think that she and I even clarified to say that me and her are from like the complete opposite communities in Northern Ireland but we and I still hold that principle and I had women that were basically like well her racist views don't affect you I know I was like I was like excuse me I was (laughs) like apoplectic on your behalf I mean I was just absolutely beside myself I mean I I understand that she is anti-semitic and she is islamophobic but that's like above her above all else like her entire her entire every her almost all of her politics has been in pursuit of the maintaining the union and the occupation of Ireland yeah like she she got kicked out of the TV for making sectarian comments on social media about Catholics, yeah, like Irish people, yeah. Like she, she, she literally called us Catholic bastards. Like this woman is anti. She's sectarian. She's just anti-Irish, free and free. She goes like just keep in mind. She goes every single year and probably has done since she was a baby and takes her kids to a bonfire where they throw a tricolor on the bonfire. She does this every single year. Well, and you're you trying to tell me, me that I am not affected by this woman's racism? Well, you I'm, told me there was a little Irish boy, Irish Catholic or Irish from a Catholic background boy dying of cancer and he had a GoFundMe and they burned the picture of that little I, I don't well to be to just to to be yeah. to be clear, that was what that was there was there's multiple bonfires that happen every year, so I don't know if she went to that particular one. No, I'm not saying that she did. I'm just saying but, this is the broader context of anti-Irish racism in Northern Ireland from this group. Yeah, but it's very common. They'll go to the bonfire, they'll put a lot of tricolours on there and they'll throw lots of pictures of um, nationalist, Irish nationalist politicians and sometimes celebrities as well. They had mm-hmm. effigies of all of the um, female yeah. Sinn Féin and actually Alliance this year as well got targeted too, who are like a cross-party party. They're a yeah. cross-community party. Yeah. Um, they had effigies of them like hanging from the bonfires last year and then they burnt them. Um, so like to come into my like replies on Twitter and try to say that like, I am only saying that I don't care about this woman talking about her misogyny because it doesn't personally affect me. It's so ignorant. <laughs> It's but I could so, like I'm sorry like just 
Okay, I'm not trying to go on an anti but I have noticed it. Like I have noticed it. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be offensive. But it's ignorance about a place and anything outside of your country because you're not taught about it in school, coupled with just sheer arrogance and no knowledge that you are in fact ignorant about that place and you know nothing, and then just refusing to hear otherwise. Like there the kind of attacks like anti-Irish attacks we're talking about is like throwing urine on schoolgirls. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we're talking about. You don't have a fucking clue. You don't have an, a single idea. And to try and use it to make this silly. Um, like, you, you don't, you, you, you're not affected by this. So that's why you hold this principle that she can speak about her misogyny. Like, she can speak about, like, the, like, her life experiences as a woman just because it doesn't impact you personally. Like, no, it does. This woman's yeah. entire political career has been about supporting the occupation of of Ireland. And-, and it's not just about Jolene. The comment she was making is that the kind of racism or prejudice or secretarian prejudice, whatever you want to call it, I think there is a strong argument that it is a kind of racism that Jolene, that Jolene um, supports hasn't affected you. So it's more than just about Jolene personally. It's that all that stuff doesn't affect you. I mean, it's a bit it's just so fucking stupid just the secondhand embarrassment it's it's quite it's quite funny that these are the same women these feminists that will say that we're ignoring racism yes by by letting her speak yeah whatever i am i'm not i'm not ignoring racism they are (laughs) it's like they're they're just ignoring like anti-irish like racism um it's yeah, it's you know what this this woman she probably wouldn't spit on me if I was on fire. Like she yeah. would, she doesn't see me as a full, full human. She probably sees me as just like the descendants of a terrorist of terrorists. Like yeah. that's literally yeah. um, she hates everything I stand for. Plus, that's not even getting into the whole fact that she's homophobic as well. So that's just yeah. another layer of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But. So what she says does impact me. Her politics does impact me. And guess what? I still think that she should be allowed to speak at a woman's free speech event about the misogyny she's experienced. Yeah. I'm not putting any qualifiers. In fact, I think it would be worse if I said, um, no, actually, like I'm 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 not in favor of her speaking because she's racist against me personally. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I extend this principle that any woman can speak about the misogyny she's experienced, regardless of how much of a terrible person she is. And no, I'm not saying like just completely like platform fascist and racist, like at every opportunity. <laughs> like, don't give them a platform to spread those views. Right. It's a really simple principle. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to be consistent with. And I love the the kind of narrative is that oh, the people who are um, oppositional to let women speak or critical of it or whatever, they're these academics, they're these leftists, they're these whatever. I'm like, you don't know about like the one of the major like imperialist, racist projects in Europe. You you don't have a single clue about it. Like that's the level of your ignorance. And it's so funny. The, it, like I just feel like we're just going to bash in these women session, but like, the fact 
the fact they call them socialist feminists like if you grew up in west belfast you're just yeah. naturally more of a socialist yeah and these like academics well, there you go i wasn't gonna say it but like people who are from politically tense places there are some places in the world where politics is an abstract thing and you have to learn about it in books and there are some places in the world in which it's your life and i think I don't know that woman or her background or these women and their backgrounds, but I have a suspicion that they don't, they didn't grow up in a place like Northern Ireland where you yeah. gain that, you, you become political by merely existing. Like you don't have a choice. Um, and I think there's a lot of that that's going on from that side um, of like, I can learn about politics and books, but I don't have a single clue about how it affects regular people. And I meet working class women, women from Northern Ireland, women from different backgrounds women, refugee women from Iraq, whatever, who are more politically smart than any of these women, just because they've had to live it in their lives. Yeah. yeah. I just like, I'm, I'm not, I just don't want to set the precedent or just set the rule that certain women can't speak about like any sort of misogyny that they have experienced personally. But, but, and that, and I hold that principle and I, because I know that some of the most marginalized women across the world are probably racist. <laughs> like, yeah, some of the, some of the most, like some of the some women who probably experience some of the worst examples of like male violence are probably homophobic. Like, I don't care. Yeah, They're probably racist. I probably have off. Some of them probably have awful politics. I really, I'm just. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's Jolene Bunting thoroughly addressed. Yes. And to be clear, she also wasn't a co-organizer of the event. She wasn't no. involved in any I I generally that's another thing as well, just on that point. Um is that a lot of like a lot of people just forget that like the format of this is that you just show up and if you queue and if you're a woman, you can speak. Like yeah. I don't think that Kelly J even knew who she was. No. Like, no. I don't pretty... think Kelly J who's monitoring you know, right-wing micro-celebrities in Northern Ireland. <laughs> you know? She's a woman. She queued. Um, she spoke. Her speech was fine. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she didn't say anything egregious. And, yeah, I had yeah. no problem. It went, no problem at all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody was great, was, spoke great, and I think it was I just love the energy of those events oh it was great it was really like yeah very what's not the rejuvenating is the wrong word energizing it was really energizing really great event altogether it was so nice they oh there was no major instance at the at the protest itself however there was an incident afterwards at the at the local bar there was at the local pub there was um well, they had served us for about two hours afterwards, and then I think one of the one of the staff members was taking offense to some of the t-shirts that people had on them that said like turf and stuff. So they they basically said that they weren't going to serve anyone with that merchandise because they're a quote unquote trans positive bar. Was it was it on that was that Robinson's that it was a merchandise thing, or they just weren't serving any of us involved? at all no 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 it it was um any turf related merchandise including the suffragette colors i heard 
Right. So any anything that identified you as a turf, like if you were wearing a normal t-shirt but you were with our crowd, mm. if you had it gone up, they would have served you. But they told us not to give them any money. So we we well, me and Hannah herded everyone and took everyone to Witherspoon. I did, instead. yeah, we did. That was us mostly. Oh. Someone else. Then kind yeah. of as we were leaving or shortly before we left. It was a bit of an altercation where a couple of the couple of the people in our group had gone up to basically confront the staff and accuse them of discrimination. And one thing led to another and a male bar, a male member of the, the staff headbutted like a middle-aged gay man. Yeah, um, like I remember I heard the news and then people were talking to the bar manager about it and then this boy who was working for the bar who had like long black curly hair like shoulder checked me as he like walked by aggressively and I was like wow like this is um quite intense and then I thought oh okay maybe we should just all after we've had our confrontation we should all just leave and then kind of as we were leaving we heard about this incident which is just crazy because it's Belfast is not a very TRA place. Like you don't see the progress pl- pride flag anywhere. You don't, it's not. Oh, no, you really place. don't. No. I think I, d- I kind of knew that already before the event, but I think the event itself just sort of solidified what I already suspected about like the trans activist community in Belfast. And then it was like mainly just a lot of like university students and some weird yeah. men. And yeah, oh, that was the crowd. The state of the counter protesters. <laughs> like, talk about the unwashed. Wow. Like, literally, <laughs> really, like, look like you all have, like, a severe mental illness <laughs> that prevents you from completing, like, basic hygiene tasks. Oh, my really, God. Really great. Yeah. I mean, well, we explain the sort of dynamics of what happened with the counter-protest. Well, I keep saying counter-protest, but ours wasn't a protest, so it was right, yeah. the protest. So basically, um, a lot of like the LGBT charities got together to organize this family-friendly fun fair at the original location, which um, Let Women Speak was meant to be, uh, which was actually like about a 10-minute walk away from mm-hmm. where we were in the end. Um and it was like this fun fair and they were advertising it as like a family event and they had like a stage and arts and crafts and food and all this stuff. Uh, once we announced that that wasn't the actual location and that we were going to be at the Big Fish at the at the Lagoon, um, it was too late for them to move their counter, their protest. And so they were going to go ahead with their original lo- location, but the anarchist boys we're yeah, we call them the anarchist boys. We should provide some context. So there's like, <laughs> I just started calling them the anarchist boys. And <laughs> yeah. But there was this group of this anarchist group. What was it called? Like anti? It wasn't anti It was like it was like some Irish version. I can't remember. They, yeah, it was yeah. in Irish. And um, they were like, "Oh, we're not happy with this strategy." Basically, it seemed like a lot of women from the organizer had organized this like cutesy little fun fair and it's the man. exactly the kind of event you would expect a bunch of castrated um charity sector <laughs> fucking <little laughs> feminists 
to put on like oh, we're gonna do a fun day with finger painting like just the <laughs> radical thing militant option ever and then the yeah. anarchist boys weren't of course they weren't of course they were just gonna follow the women's lead like these are like misogynistic men who the entire purpose of their protest was to protest women speaking as as if they were going to listen to these women and like listen to them and just follow their lead and have a little fun fair they were like no we're going to we're going to confront we're going to confront um the turks yeah. directly um and uh yeah they 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 were they got as close as they could to us but that was they were still a good distance away i think the police did a good job they had like a police line in between um, but the crowd was like their crowd was about two thirds men. Um, the women were like mostly younger women. That is like, such a common dynamic. Like I don't understand what parents are doing, or if these girls are lying to their parents. But it's often unwashed, greasy, like porn addict, basement dwelling, disgusting looking men, and literally fourteen, fifteen year old girls. Like seems to be. I think there looked like there were some university students at this one, but the worst for that, the worst place for that was Brighton. There was a lot of like yeah. schoolgirls. And I'm like, where are your parents? Do they know you're hanging around these like sketchy looking men? Degenerate, disgusting men, like unsupervised. Like, what is going on? Yeah. And they it, I think that I think that. The fact that they were so close to us um, drew a lot of people away from the fun fair, um, the Songs of Solidarity fun fair, and so a lot of them went and ended up joining the protest that was like right beside us mm. in the end. But still, I think that it was probably about the same size. It wasn't like a lot bigger. Um, no, it was, it was smaller or bigger at points. But yeah, no, I think it was around the same size. To be fair. Maybe yeah, I think there's a couple. There was was couple smaller. It was smaller at the height of the speakers, and then I think some women left early to catch. The thing is, theirs theirs started earlier. So whenever right. it was kicking off, they started theirs at twelve. We started at one. That's right. what they always do. So by the time we got there, there was maybe we got there about half an hour early. There mm-hmm. was um like maybe a hundred women, and then like maybe three hundred of them. So it looked a lot bigger. But then just as Kelly J was about to arrive it picked up and the numbers sort of evened out around that stage. So yeah, yeah, that's what I would say happened. And it did look like, like um, some women kind of left early to catch trains or whatever. Um, and this was one woman, she like came around and was like, there are more of us than there are of you. And I just yelled at her trans women are men. <laughs> she looked like stunned. She just looked like, whoa, like she's been slapped in the face. I'm like, what do you, what is your life like? We were getting so stared at. We were getting so stared at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think that they could not believe it, that we were at the other side. They yeah, yeah. It. Like you could literally see the, the, the cogs like turning in their heads. And they were like, why are we not meant to be the gay pride side? Like, why is there two lesbians standing at the other side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there, and there was like this... Uh, it was like this one girl and she literally looked about 18 and she was wrapped in like the like newer lesbian pride flag. And she turned around, she looked at me and she was like, you don't speak for me. And I was like, well, yeah, no, I no, clearly, I mean, yeah, like you're making a very clear what like a pathetic self-hating 
um little, I think they'll just yeah they'll just grow out of it once they get a bit older I think there was a couple ones that there was a couple lesbians that looked I'm gonna say 18 to 21 who kept making an excuse to walk by us I think there was one that had like kind of like a mullet cut and like chains on her jeans and she walked yeah. by like three or four times and I was like you're just looking for an excuse to like walk by us and she looked very sheepish like yeah like I will actually I know we're not probably not meant to speak to them but I will happily speak to any of them like okay. I would have like yeah like not even a co- confrontational way like I I mean I would argue with them if they want to but if any of them actually want to speak about like why we were there like I would happily chat to them yeah like, well because they all know like the real lesbians there will know what the conflict is they're not stupid I don't believe anyone in the lesbian community doesn't know I think it's basically three groups. I think it's TERFs, which are the majority in the UK, for sure. And then um, apolitical women and then TRA lesbians, which are usually older women, unfortunately, who are like married. Oh, yeah. University students. And they they generally won't have very much to lose because they're already sort of settled down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the Nancy Kelly types. Yeah, exactly. But then there are the ones that are like 20 in uni and are just like in the mix. But generally, they'll be TERFs in four or five years. For That's sure. it. The thing I, I think that there's a lot of confusion or there's a lot of people think that the reason why a lot of the women's sector and a lot of these women's groups are captured is because they've been all infiltrated by AGPs. And I think there is some of that. But I do think a reason why a lot of these young women have like bought into transgenderism is actually because they like have a like a free female friend that calls herself like non-binary. Exactly. Things to me like the women's sector ones are like, oh, but we want Susie who now goes by leaf or whatever to be in our anti-abortion group or a pro-abortion group or whatever, pro-choice group. Yeah. Sock. (laughs) The they them. (laughs) Some of the things they come up with, honestly, I feel like they get their names from like a AI name generator. There was one on the news that was Felix Fern recently. I was like, God, yeah. have some self-respect. But you could even see that like the other protests, the one, the original one, the fun fair, it was first of all, it was kind of <laughs> it was badly attended. It was, yeah, it was very badly attended. I think there was like 20 people at yeah. the most. Yeah. Um and uh it was literally all women, and it was like all women and some women there that were like on testosterone. Even when the BBC interviewed them, like there was just it was all just like trans-identified young women yeah that were on the stage and then all of the trans-identified men were around in their masks harassing the women at at the other one with the antifa boys yeah yeah, i just think that there's a lot of misinterpretation about like the motivations for some of these women like they they think that you know some of the turfs will say like you're doing you know you're handmaidens you're doing this for men and i generally think that most of the women some of them have never met like a like a man that calls himself a woman they just know a lot of young women that call themselves men and they're like what are you trying to say that trans people are a threat my friend Susie is yeah, very yeah, yeah. unthreatening yeah. she's five foot four how dare yeah. you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i just don't think that they actually look at it from that side because they just don't actually have they don't understand that side of it yeah and they just think of like well my friend wants to have her breast removed because she's uncomfortable why why don't you let her and if she wants to use a man's toilets like why don't why do you care yeah they just don't see the threat 
Yeah. I think. That's what they said when they were interviewed by the BBC as well. Like, um, it's so funny, like these little, it's always the little trans men who say it as well, so-called trans men are like, I'm not a threat. I'm just da 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 da. It's like, like no one thinks you're a sweat, a, a threat, <laughs> little pumpkin. Like, we're not worried about you. We're worried about your friend Darla, who's a six foot three, like disgusting fetishist. Yeah. I just, I think that that is the reason why the, a lot of the women's groups have bought into this stuff because they have to pretend that like men can get pregnant too, because some of the women in their group call themselves men. That's it. That's, it's really, it's really that simple. Like that's the, that's their motivation. That's why they bought into it. And I think that it's good to understand that, that, or at least that's the way it is here and not just assume that they're all just keeping for Fornatic man. Well, they are, but I don't think that they realize that they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think they. A lot of women I feel like if you're like a middle class woman who like did, I don't know, what do they do in uni if you have a charitable sector job like that, like health policy at uni or something, and you went in to work for like a pro choice charity, it's possible that you've never seen the worst of what men can actually be, you know? No. No, and um, there was some trans activists as well that had bust up from the Republic of Ireland after the Dublin event had got cancelled, and they were from a socialist feminist group called Rosa. Oh, um, well, <laughs> yeah. well, you should talk about Rosa. Talk about how like you found out about Rosa and your kind of like interactions with them, and then I. Well, well, like Rosa, they're across they're across Ireland feminist group. Um, they're starting to really grow in Belfast, and I think they attract a lot of women because they're looking for an alternative to the like girl boss mainstream liberal feminism that's pushed by the liberal feminists, and they're sort of attracted to the you know to the socialist feminists. Um, but like any time that I've seen them at any any feminist event, um, any rally, it's the stalls are they're always manned by men. Yeah. And one time it was actually an pro-choice rally that was around the time whenever Roe versus Wade was overturned in America. So they were having like a solidarity rally in Belfast. And I went and they were there. And you know, I seen that they, you know, they call themselves socialist feminists. So I wanted to check it out. Um and I I took one of their leaflets. And I'm not even joking, they mentioned the word trans like four or five times. They mentioned the word woman once. They didn't mention misogyny. They said gender violence and they said um, um, like almost every women's issue was a, an attack on the work, working class. That's what it always was. Oh, it was like, spare oh. me. Spare <laughs> me with that. It's always such a funny framing. And I've seen some genuinely hilarious examples of men i think jen might have told some stories in the podcast and some socialist women who just do not want to believe that like male violence is an intra class problem that's something that happens within classes do the most hilarious mental gymnastics to like be like this is an attack on the working class like i think like when there's like a like someone do, um, a man doing like stranger attacks on women like pulling women over on the street or whatever they'll be like this is an attack on a working class look this is a working class neighborhood it's like he could be fucking anywhere it's but he's not doing it to working class men is he 
So, and I mean, it's just a really ironic, like I'm literally, I'm not trying to be rude to Rosa Luxemburg. I'm literally, I'm showing Shay now. I'm literally sitting across from a portrait of Rosa Luxemburg <laughs> with one of her quotes, socialism or barber, socialism or it's socialism or barbarism. Like I obviously admire the woman. Um, I like reform or revolution's a very good book, whatever. But she's a woman who made a strategic choice to turn against feminist activism in her life. <laughs> And I mean, she did it for reasons of, you know, she thought that, you know, the kind of work she was doing more important was more important than women's suffrage, though there was like Clara Zetkin and other women around her, other socialist women disagreed. But it's just a bit of an ironic name for a socialist group when she was like, no, I don't want to be involved in feminism, like in her life. Yeah. Well, like it's. It is mainly just like a socialist group and I just wish they would be more honest about it. Like they're just, it's more of a socialist group that maybe cares a little bit more about abortion than other socialist groups do. That's about it. Yeah. Um, that anytime I've seen them, they're always like either mixed sex, a mixed sex group, or it's been like two men managing a stall. Yeah. Um, they're also completely bought into transgenderism and they bust up a lot of people to counter protest let women speak and the photograph of their bus that they for some reason decided to post on twitter which i don't understand why because it wasn't like the best photograph it was just like a half empty bus and like two-thirds of the bus was men and they were hiding their faces and they were hiding their faces as well <laughs> so funny i mean this is a woman who was so committed to class politics that she turned away from women's suffrage. The idea that she would be into transgenderism <laughs> is just hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just it's just an absolutely pathetic display. And this is what, when people say socialist feminist feminism, they think it means socialist and feminist, which is not what it means. It's like a very specific kind of sect or set of feminists who believe in like something very specific about like the origin of women's oppression and how it interacts and was amplified by capitalism and so on. But so many socialist feminist groups are just men going, oh, we have to recruit women and we have to say that we're good on trans and abortion because many of us weren't 10 years ago. So um, let's do this you know, or, or abortion and gay marriage. So let's do this. Let's look, we have a feminist group and we'll name it after a feminist woman. And then there's so- the only woman they probably know. <laughs> the only woman they probably know who was not particularly feminist in her life. And, and they're so sex blind. They have no acknowledgement of like men versus women, any of those power dynamics that yeah. wouldn't even think like, oh, having all men man the stall would be a bad look. That Like that thought wouldn't even occur to them. Yeah. I mean, I really wish I still had this leaflet because I remember reading it and thinking like, when are you actually going to get to the bit where you talk about like misogyny or sex-based oppression? It was just like, just talking about like the working class struggle and they they pretty much mentioned like every other like form of oppression. They mentioned like homophobia, transphobia, queerphobia, racism. And it was just like, it's. I mean, this is just a socialist group. Like, just admit it. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, or an identity politics group. Like, did they mention class? Oh yes, yeah. Well, that was the whole. Yeah, yeah. that was the whole working class. It's an attack on the working class thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't make 
very much sense. I was, so I wasn't surprised at all that they had bussed up uh, a half a bus full of men to counter protest us. But you know what? Even with even with the the bust in people, you know, the kind of protest wasn't they didn't no. hugely, you know, it was outnumber us. It's it's solidified my thoughts already that Belfast is turfy. Because <laughs> everyone we spoke to in the street when we were handing out our leaflets was like, Oh yeah, no, I get what you mean. Yeah, I heard about that. And we all wanted told- the leaflets. We had made some leaflets and like the people were like, no, I want to read. I want to know what's going on here. And I I think the first pub was a one-off. Um, kind of a guy complained. I think there was a TRA on staff, basically, or some college yeah. students who complained. And maybe this will be an unpopular opinion, but this is a theory I had, and I wanted to run it by you. Because it just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that a Weatherspoons in Belfast would be a big hub for TRAs. And this whole thing with making women take the t-shirts off. My theory about it. So for, for background, there were women who said that they wouldn't, to the second pub we went to, they, were, they weren't allowed to be served if they had the political t-shirts on. Um, and my theory about it is, and I wanted to run it by you as a local, could it be they just have a ban on political t-shirts? In I mean, that- I... I mean, I'm I'm not too sure. I mean, we were there for a long time, so it could have been a case of a shift change, and then like someone who started was right. More they were perfectly, perfectly nice to us when we arrived. I have to say, that's why um, I have no idea about that. It's, I mean, the area that the Witherspoons is is kind of like the start of South Belfast, which is kind of like the Walker area, right? A little bit Walker, even though I don't like the term woke. But yeah. um, it's the best way to describe it because it's more studenty. I mean, students work and drink in Weatherspoons, right? You know, so but potentially there was a shift change, and right, and that and the, like a trans activist started started their yeah, shift. Because, like when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's really surprising. They weren't, you know, terrible to anyone around me, or didn't. I'm not someone I, I just believe. Obviously, there's evidence that it happened. I'm not like you know. But I'm like, oh, could it be just because it's a very politically tense area? They're like, no, no t-shirts. I would say that it's just because I think the reason why in both places there was pushback from hospitality is mainly because the the bar staff were mainly like university students. They're just young. Yeah. But I think like the general population in Belfast is not really they either don't give they don't care about transgenderism or they are uh, like secretly GC. Yeah. But you know what? I don't, I don't know if I should tell this story, <laughs> but there was a recent, st- and this, there was a recent story of this man in Belfast who identified as a woman and messaged a woman's gym and asked if he could attend. And he's like, just to let you know, I'm transgender. Is that an issue? And the guy responded, um, just to let you know, uh, thanks for letting me know. Yes, sorry, that would be an issue. Have a nice day. That was the exchange. Yeah. He, he posted. Did you see about this? I didn't Did know. And he posted it on. He posted it on social media, and it went viral. And the comments were brutal. The comments were like, it, like just so many people telling them like, "Good for the gym. Women deserve their." their 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 own gems and I was just reading it and I was just like yeah like I'm not even really that worried like most people like 
they don't really care that much but if if they hear about it they're like no I don't agree with that you know yeah I mean? so yeah I think that's the story so I'm not I think I think we could win Belfast oh we for sure over Belfast oh for sure I think there's all those dynamics we kind of talked about at the beginning of the episode to keep in mind but you know I I, I don't think it'll be particularly challenging no and I also think as well like people here like I just don't I just don't see them really caring that much about it because a lot of people have like real problems well that's it yeah yeah exactly I think the people that are pushing the stuff are usually university students or like very middle class people it's and it's very like more popular in like South Belfast than say like working class west belfast and east belfast and north belfast right like you know where people have like a lot of a lot of problems and <laughs> you know the best standard of living they're they're not really that bothered about right it's like that thing from america i know there's no war in northern ireland at the minute but it's like that thing from america's next top model when she's like but there you know there are some people who have war in their countries <laughs> when the woman's like freaking out about losing her whatever she's like some people have war in their countries that's always what I like think of when I see these TRAs talking about like oh my god I was misgendered like, yeah exactly yeah no well is there anything else you wanted to cover that do you think we no I think that we covered quite a lot um I hope I give a good overview on what the climate is like for this sort of thing in Northern Ireland and how how the like political dynamics impact women's women's rights and women's rights and campaigning for women's rights. Yeah, no, it was a great. It was a. I think it's a really important thing for people to hear because you know as this movement becomes international and we enter different places, there's always going to be the context that this question is entering into the context and the context in England is very different the context in Scotland yeah. context in you know the north of Ireland the context the context in the Republic of Ireland so you know there's um it's always something to keep context in Australia so it's always something to keep in mind and to listen to women who either live in those countries or know something about those countries to kind of provide the analysis I think is great yeah definitely definitely well thank you very much for having me on no thank you for having me on having me on thank you for coming on (laughs) uh i'm sure we'll do this again again soon so all right thanks for listening Bye. bye